0: Right then, you hear this blood-curling scream come from the water, and the words were literally like, lifeguard, like a <laughs> blood-shrill like scream. And I turn around, and there is Megan, my wife, and my children, and all my friends, and they're all standing there going, oh my gosh, wow. this is what you put your life on hold for. That is the point of the story. And that was the artful beauty of the master architect, putting something together for someone that he loves unconditionally.
1: Friends, it's Morgan Snyder, and welcome back to another episode of Become Good Soil podcast. I was on a backcountry hut-to-hut ski trip with Jared Sayers, and we were laughing and post-toeing through deep snow, trying to get up to this ridge hours uh, so that we could finally uh, carve some turns in the high slopes of Colorado. Jared was on his first trip in the backcountry with skis, normally on a surfboard. We had him on a splitboard, which he could snowboard after going hut to hut with our local crew. And he was telling stories and laughing and going in accents, just cracking us up in this suffer fest. And it was that moment that I just said, I know that I'm supposed to feature his life and his story and that which has been entrusted to his care on a become good soul podcast. I've had the privilege of traveling decades with Jared and watching as he's responded to God's initiation that he's found at his post. He's living with integrity in his season of life and consenting to a path and a process to become a good King in his pocket of creation. And so let's dive into this conversation with Jared Sayers and the Salt Life. Jared, online, you have some beautiful websites featuring your writing, featuring Salt and Sea camps, and in your bio at jaredbsayers.com, you have a beautiful description of where this all came from. I'd love for you to read this glimpse into your heart and your story. Would you share that with us?
0: Growing up, I drank from the hose. I got sunburned. I loved being in the water. Fresh, salty, frozen, or chlorinated, it did not matter. Without rhyme or reason, water has influenced just about every major decision I've made in my life. And yet for the past couple decades, spreadsheets, emails, advertising campaigns, and the like have attempted to convince me otherwise. So I pulled the ripcord on my life. I paddled into a very real journey back to the water, back to what I know to be true, and back to where life has been waiting the whole time. The adventure isn't for the faint of heart or those cold, timid souls. It's reserved for those who like a really good story and take pride in the nicks we get along the way.
1: Oh, Jared, it's so good to hear it. It's so good. It is so good to hear it. It's
0: so good to hear it out loud, you know? Yeah. What's your soul's
1: reaction to hearing you say that? Like, where do you go as you say that?
0: It's just such a good reminder that there is so much more. It doesn't mean it comes easy, but there is so much more. Than the bill of goods that we have been sold and i now know both sides of that mm. pendulum i i know the bill of goods that the world says here you go and then now i'm finding a vast expanse of what we're intended to be and become and what is so abundantly available all the time
1: mm.
0: where my heart goes is there's just so much joy right at mm-hmm. the surface of all of that. And it's just like, oh joy. Oh my gosh. Isn't that what we all want? Yes. <laughs>
1: oh, it's so good. Well there's yeah. something poignant too, Jared. You know, I've I've walked with you um, through intimate encounters and then distance over two decades, mm. which is wild. And there's something about this mark this transition, you're at 42, and you've gotten these kingdom promotions from, as you said, like living both sides, and, and and now even like stepping into what I would name a third way of responding to the Father, of being led by God into a place that requires more than you have in and of your own strength and so it felt really timely i felt really impressed at this time in your life to kind of in process like in in the the beautiful agony and hilarity of it all to like grab some reflections Mm -hmm. um because you're not in your 20s anymore and this is a good moment and so like for people to have context um megs and kids and passion like give us a bit of who you are and how you come into this conversation.
0: Um, so I am, uh, first and foremost, a husband and a father I'm a son to two loving parents that live down the street. At the center of all of it, of what makes me me is I, I'm a creative thinker and I relish time in the water. Um, I love A good story. I love friendship and community. And outside of that, I don't need much. Like Mm. I might call myself even a minimalist. I know that's kind of like a thing nowadays. But like I I don't, I don't, I don't require or need a lot of stuff. Um, Previously, I, I thought I needed a lot of stuff, but come to find out, I need very little. And those things I just outlined are the center of my universe. I find myself present day double downing on all of those things mm-hmm. and the rest can follow. Yes. And that's, what's very true today.
1: So, so Jared, as I listen to you share, I'm aware because I know some of your story that there's been these huge seasons of your kind of uh, masculine initiation and one of them was that corporate world, right? It was emails and marketing campaigns. And, and so it's interesting as you describe what matters most to you at 42, to have some visibility. It'd be great if you could take us back into kind of the marketplace mayhem in the stage of life earlier, young career, young marriage, and who was Jared Sayers as he defined himself then, or found himself to have become.
0: Um, I'm not, I I've never been someone that is just, it's very clear, like what I'm here to do, who I am and what I'm here to do. Like there, there are like, there are those people out there and I admire those people. I don't have that. Um, I, I, um, and so going through like school and trying to figure out like vocationally, like what I'm supposed to do, it was, um, a very kind of lost at sea type of feeling. Um, and I where, you know, fast forwarding, I basically like, what do you do when you, when you don't know, you just basically try and grab for any closest reference point that you can. And my closest reference point was my dad. My dad is my hero. And, um, he, he's given me, you know, the world. And, um, so don't you, you want to emulate that, especially when you're adrift? Yes, of course. My dad was a tremendously successful trial attorney. It's just like, whoa, okay, this is what success looks like. So adrift, uh, <laughs> coming into that stage of life for myself, not knowing what I'm supposed to do, I wound, I, I was like, okay, office environment is where the treasure is buried. Like mm. go, go to the office, uh, bust your hump. And make something of yourself. And this was at a time in my life where I, I basically shelved any sort of <laughs> co-authored existence here. Yeah. Uh, I was raised in the church. Religion failed me tremendously. Um, I, I would say spirit never failed me. But I couldn't even really differentiate the two. And so it all just got put on the shelf. So I'm going into this I'm trying to be my dad uh, in this work environment, alone, and nobody's going to come for me. It's all up to me. Um, and where that led me is, yeah, I got, I was, I, I, I landed in the world of basically media, marketing, advertising, sales, that whole bustle, mm-hmm. and I did, I did good. Um, and what's even crazier is those aren't my strong suits. Like Mm -hmm. I, I I think I mentioned earlier is like, I'm, I'm more of a creative thinker. I'm like, let's, let's, let's get outside. Let's go do some stuff. Let's go see some stuff. Let's go meet some people type of person. I'm not designed to be in an office behind a computer under fluorescent lighting, but that's where I was. But that's, uh, I'm just trying to be my dad. I'm trying to provide, I'm now married um, I have a beautiful wife that I love more than anything. And we're starting to have kids. And what starts, this is this is the part that just infuriates me, Morgan, is that it all starts so pure. All I'm trying to do is just be my dad, because I love my dad. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to just give to my wife and my children like what I had w- growing up, which I would put in the box of amazing. Uh, a miracle in and of itself. And what happened in that process was just such, so insidious. Um, No, I didn't end up in like jail. I didn't end up in, you know, with a severe drug addiction. I didn't end up with a lot of these things, a lot of these stories, how they get played out. But what did happen over time, I've, can now see in the rear view is like, there was this slow dismemberment of my heart.
1: Mm.
0: (laughs) And that is so sick. Mm. Um, But it's what happened. And I'm cooking dude, like uh, above the waterline. I am, I've got steam. I've worked my way. I've started a company with like three other people. That went from zero dollars to millions of dollars. Um, with you know what was three people is now like 50 people. I got an office, I got the corner office just like my dad. I got all of that stuff. I got some killer title on my business card, which makes me want to barf saying it right now. But um, I got all the stuff, and there was this slow erosion that I. Couldn't, un, I, 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 I couldn't put words into to it, but what I chalked it up as was, well, they wouldn't call it work if it was easy. Mm. Um, and so keep grinding, kill or be killed, get years before it's gone, scarcity, uh, accolades, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There is this ache and pain and erosion of my internal world. And then I began to see the erosion of my external world in the things that mattered most. Mm. And that was a huge sign. My start with my marriage. I I look like what's like, I, my wife is (laughs) everything. And there was just this huge, growing gap. And I fancied myself as one who could go to work, grind, and come home and be attentive to those things. I knew they were important. And yet, when you're sacrificing heart um, or being unknowingly dismembered, you can't meet your wife where she wants you to meet her. You can't meet your kids where they want you to meet them. Or at the level that, you know, you want to. And so, watching these, watching now my external world, like, beginning to come into compromise, even so subtly, I was like, what is going on here? And so, that becomes very discombobulating. Uh, Spin harder, faster, harder, faster. That was kind of... All I knew to do, and essentially what that does, as many of us know, is it just kind of lands us in a ditch, and it doesn't work, or it has very ugly repercussions. I end up going to a boot camp. I wish it hadn't been under such extreme circumstances, but I guess that was the gift—is that was the final straw. I was like, "I'm I'm going to a boot camp." So went to one in Colorado by myself, and it was just so life-changing. I mean, it really was, it really genuinely did change my life. And I remember on the last day we had like a breakout session and there was just such, I just felt like so filleted open in like a very good way, but a very uncomfortable way. And I remember this breakout session, it was, I think John encouraged us to go outside and kind of do some reflective work and in a solo space. And I just remember looking over this like big, beautiful, like Colorado Canyon with these insane trees everywhere and just fresh air. And I was broken, but in such a good way, I just remember uh, once again, the kindness. The only way I can describe it was, it was this, like the father showed up. It wasn't this serious, like really intense experience. It was just this like nudge, like a buddy would nudge you with an elbow on like a long road trip. And he just with us, like a smile was just like, Hey, you mind if I drive now, can I drive? You've been driving for a long time. Like I've been kind of sitting over here, just kind of listening to the music. Is it, is it my turn to drive yet? That just broke me. And I was like, I am so tired of driving. And so I gave up, I was like, you know, I want to ride in the passenger seat. I want to listen to the music. You drive. And I'm going to be in the car, but I am I am done being at the wheel. And so that was the moment. And as soon as that moment happened, Morgan, what I noticed was everything that was not serving me, all around me, all the stuff that I had built began to just kind of fizzle. Everything began to to get shed everything began to die and what that looked like more specifically it's like the business took like a little bit of a hit just like a little it wasn't dire but the business takes a little bit of a hit uh relationships that weren't necessarily serving me began to just kind of like dissipate for no real reason um then the pandemic hits and all of these things began to die all around me. And that process is, unfortunately, is very dark and disorienting. And um, But what was happening was like a cleaning house of sorts. It was sort of wiping the slate clean. And that process, I don't know why it has to go this way, but that process does like tend to hurt. But it was very, very necessary. And then right when you feel like you just can't do it anymore there's a little lifeline that was tossed
1: Mm.
0: and i and when i say little i mean little but i was just ready for anything little big little me i don't care just get like i'm i can't do this everything is gone around me and where i put all my chips is now dead Mm. And, and I know I can't spin harder to rectify the previous empire, like kingdom, whatever I've built. Hmm. And so what do you do? You are left to sit and just call upon something so much greater than you. And this, this day and age, everything's just so fast. This, is, this did not happen quickly. So the lifeline that was thrown to me was from one of the largest ocean lifeguard agencies in the world, uh, essentially asking me if I wanted to be in their next academy. So two years prior, I entered myself into an open ocean swim race with a bunch of 20 year old kids essentially to, to be on a list of 300 plus people that would be considered for potential spots within this agency who oversees 72 miles of some of the busiest coastline in the world with over 40 million beachgoers annually. So it's a highly respected agency and also such a long shot. At the time I was doing it just in the name of kind of rounding out some of the corners of my life. I just, you know, without getting too far into it, I was nudged in that direction from a mentor who just said, hey, try out for this thing and see what happens. And so I did. Two years later, I get a note in the mail Not an email, but a a letter. It's like, congratulations. You are invited to be like to enter into this academy and become this thing. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so now life is calling my bluff, which is like, I want more. I this is not where life resides. Where's life? I, I need a partner in this. Like, Lord help me. Like, where, like, what? Great. Awesome. here's a lifeline. And what that looks like is go become an ocean lifeguard with a bunch of 20 year old water polo players at 40 years old. (laughs) Uh, And I don't know how it's going to go. But you got to trust me. Mm. Uh, This decision made no logical sense. One plus one just did not equal to But it is the first time in my life where I truly properly felt led. I remember in a conversation with Megan, I was like, I can't explain this. I don't know. And I understand your confusion, but I know as much as I'm sitting in this chair that I think I'm supposed to do this. Safety and security, it's all available to me. And I have that now in a certain regard. But the question was, was like, at what cost? Yes, this move is potentially risky for a number of obvious reasons, but there's also a risk in staying. And that risk was dismemberment of heart and the ramifications of that. So what are you gonna do? And after a lot of coming together, her and I, which was such like, the another one of these restorative, like blessings that the father gave me is my wife and I are now like on the same page and making a decision together. Be like, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. And we plural are going to go do this. It's like, okay. It, It still wasn't a drastic overnight. And now I became a lifeguard. It was like, no, I worked out this weird thing with my employer. It was like this hybrid. I'm still working for you, but I'm going to go do this thing. And I'm going to come back. And the, and, and the father just keeps dying off all the things around me. So I go to the Academy. I succeed. I do all the stuff. I I'm, I'm ready to come back to the office because that's where provision and certainty and conservatism lies. And it just slowly, slowly died to Mm -hmm. where uh, now I'm left with I'm a lifeguard. Mm. Just like, Oh, okay. I see what's happening here. This is the journey. Like, okay, where's it all going? I don't know. But there is plenty of next steps to explore that are just, landing in my lap that I have, that I haven't, there are no works of my own. Take us in a little bit
1: to like the academy.
0: So growing up where I grew up, it is a, an ocean centered community. Um, the roots here run very deep. Um, and many would consider it sort of like the, <laughs> the, the surfing capital too like arguably um this this is where it all started in the south bay of los angeles um so lifeguards are very highly revered here um and so since a kid i i've just always like and been enamored with them ocean lifeguards and i i got the invitation to go become that It doesn't make sense, though. I'm 40 years old. I don't have a swim background. Everybody that starts going into these lines of work starts at like 18, 19, 20 years old. Um, And particularly with like ocean lifeguards, it's like you have a pretty extensive swim background. I just have ocean background. Uh, And so going into the academy, which is so clear, is like lowest seat stuff. I went from, you know, cool leather chair in the office to and conference room table um, with teams of people that I hired that are all kind of looking to me to say the next thing or do the next deal or whatever. To (laughs) I was in this room with these 20 year old kids, Mm. and this was just like, no, dude, put on your sweatpants. Rub some shoulders with some, with some kids that are half your age and you're equals and, and, and there's no hierarchy here. Mm. And the people that are in charge of you for right now are going to let you know that, like, let you know all of that. And so it's very, very uncomfortable. And so it was three straight weeks of, of, you know. There very early staying very late and and weeding out people that were not supposed to be there be it mentally or physically and um and they did and um and the whole time it's what was so great is that i'm i'm one of those people that's like i'm I'm goal oriented. It's like A plus B should equal C. So if I do A and B, like I'll get C. And it's like, and it was so daunting and so overwhelming and so audacious for me to be there that I couldn't plan. I couldn't think about tomorrow. I couldn't think about how I was going to succeed in this because it was so hard. I was so in over my head. And I have walked away from all of it to wear sweatpants. And be in and out of the ocean swimming ungodly amounts of distances with 20 year, locking horns with 20 year old kids. Mm-hmm. And I just had to think about the very next step that I needed to take in order to get through that very next thing. And that was the gift. I'm, I get way, way out over my skis and it was just like, nope, be here, be now take your lowest seat, <laughs> wear your sweatpants and just think about the next thing that you need to do. And it mm-hmm. was three weeks of that. And I, I succeed like that in and of itself is a miracle. And then they do this thing where your, your, uh, your fellow uh, lifeguards vote on just different categories. And one of them is like a waterman award. This is a little, Sensitive to me. It just feels, I I don't want to seem like this is like, oh, like check out what I did. But the reason I mention it is because it's one of those things that it's just been, it was my academy voted for me as uh, the waterman of the academy and you're presented with this award and all this stuff. Again, it was another validation point. It's like, you're on the right path. Keep going. This is what your new community thinks of you. Keep going. Jared, I want to
1: pause and just recognize this story has deep significance. It's just so substantial in particular um, in your unique masculine initiation. It's not about the award, self-promotion, it's literally God as a father naming this deep place in you as a man through the company that you've been shoulder to shoulder with. It's an intense proximity and context with these other men, and it's literally one of your names in the family of God. So I just want to name that that's worth marking and celebrating even right now before we go any Further. I just want to pause and let you take that in. So you get to the next first track, this next lifeline, and you find yourself on the beach. Take us into that.
0: Now, like I'm on the beach and there's just, it's just, I went from <laughs> fluorescent lights into outside all day, in and out of the water, um, looking out after people that are coming to enjoy the beach. Um, and it's just, dude, my heart just comes alive. It was, it was coming back to me from when I gave up on, all, on quote unquote religion. When I gave up and I went out on my own, I, like, I was brought back to that point. And it was like, no, this is about us. And I have so much more for you and this is the beginning. And it was just like, Oh, this is so this feels so good where it's all going. We don't know. Hmm. So fast forwarding, there was like, um, I'm on a, I'm on a recurrent status, which is um, it's, it's not like, it's not like show up five days a week, work this amount of hours and go home, like, it's a little bit more flimsy than that. So there's like the feast and the famine, like there's six months out of the year where it's just the feast and there's overtime and all sorts of great things, tons of action. And then there's the famine, which is like the winter months. So I'm in the winter months and you feel every bit of the uncertainty in the decision that you've made to walk away from comfort and the bill of goods that you know you were sold a long, long time ago. It, and I just was questioning everything. Megan started questioning everything. Are we supposed to be here? What are we doing? This has gotten out of control. Well, what about this bill? And what about that? And how are we gonna, you know, all the stuff. And it just required faith. And one in going back to that and just put the next foot in front of the other. And that was hard, Morgan. And I started praying for just like, God make, Oh, am I supposed to be doing this? Like give Mm -hmm. me something because it's quiet right now. And it feels very uncomfortable. And, and just again, the kindness is so abundant. Um, I got COVID. I was sick. I was just like laid out, and it was just it was dark. And I start coming back, feeling physically better. One day in the middle of you know winter, the sun comes out, and I you know, I'm COVID's behind me but I'm still just kind of like a little lethargic sun comes out. I was like, I'm going to go down to the beach. I haven't been down to the beach in a long time. And there's a swell that was like pumping. And I was like, I'm just, I just felt this nudge that was just like, go get in the water. Just go swim, go for a swim, go for a body surf. So I go out there and there's pretty big waves and just like playing joy like it's all like oh this yes this is this is where I'm supposed to be this is what I'm supposed to be doing I'm having so much fun all by myself and I was going for a body surf and one of my um fins popped off on one of the waves I caught and so I go in and I'm just on the berm of the beach just like looking for my fin and just looking out over the horizon I'm just like God, gosh this is this is such a good day for lifeguarding you know, but it's the off season. There's not much work right now. Um, but man, I just, I physically feel better. I, what a good day this would be to be a lifeguard. Like, that's what I want. Like, God, that's what I want today. And then whatever. And I don't find my fin. I go up to the car and I start to dry off and everything. I just feel this nudge again. It was just like, no, no, no. Like, go back out there. Like, you're not done. And I knew my family, my wife and kids were down probably a couple miles down the beach, just having a beach day. And I was going to go meet them. I was going to go drive down there, but I just felt this nudge. It was just like, no, 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 no. Like go back down the sand, go run down there. You can run again. Like COVID's behind you. Like go. the day is beautiful. Like the swell is pumping, like go enjoy it. Get outside. This is where you come alive. I was like, okay. So I, <laughs> lock my car back up and I go down on the sand and I just go for a run. I get a couple of miles down the beach and I, there's my family. They're all like right there, just sun coming down on them. I was like, God, this is so good. I was like, these, this is where the treasure, this is, this is everything. Thank you. And then right then I see, um, one of my buddies who's a uh, pretty high ranking in, in, uh, as a lifeguard and he's down there with his daughter he's off duty and they're picking crabs out of the rocks and he's just like jared what's up and he's just a good buddy of mine and i was like oh man it's so good to see you he's like man how you been you liking it i'm like dude i love this i love this he's like man well we're stoked to have you and then i look over my right shoulder and down the stairs walking down is another my other buddy very high-ranking individual just badass with coming down with his two boys to throw the football. He's like, Jared, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, I was just on a run and we're just all talking. And it was just, isn't this so great? There's people everywhere. And we're just all catching up. And then right then you hear this blood curling scream come from the water. And the words were literally like lifeguard, like a mm. blood shrill, like scream. Mm. And we, the three of us just all snapped our neck. You know, we'd look over where we heard it come from and you can't quite see what was going on, but you could see like, like a clump of people out, like in the water, in the surf line. And my buddy who's coming down to throw the football with his kids just takes off. And I am left with this internal moment. It's like, what are you going to do, dude? Mm. Like this, this, this is this, this is it. This is, this is what you signed up for. It's sort of that fight or flight moment. That's like literally like a nanosecond. (laughs) And I was like, this is what I do. And so I fought, I started sprinting after my buddy and he hits the water and I'm like, I'm right on his heels, dude. And And we get to this victim who, when we arrive is being swam in by, a group of surfers and he's older gentleman, or not older it's like you know middle-aged gentleman and he was pulseless and he was not breathing and we get to him and my buddy's got his head and I come in around his legs and you know just going through the motions of what you learn in the academy. Mm-hmm. And and life, dude just it just I was locked in, mm-hmm. and my buddy at the head goes, "All right, Jared, when we get him up on the berm, you're going in the compressions." And I was like, "Wow, this is going this is going down." You you have a victim without a pulse and that's not breathing. That's a dead person. Um, and we get him up on the berm, and I start doing compressions on this guy's chest. Uh, Backup comes, the trucks. We slap on the AED. We're ready to shock him. And then, boom, the AD picks up a a heartbeat. We got his heart beating again. Mm. And then I'll, I'll kind of fast forward just a little bit. By the time the fire department shows up and we get him all packaged up and in the ambulance and close the door and the dust begins to settle, he was breathing on his own and he had a pulse. Wow. And we shut the doors and they drove off and they went to the ER and here, and, and I say these things, not, I am not trying to be like, and that's what I did. This is the beauty of this story, Morgan. After those doors shut and that ambulance took off and we kind of like all like, wow, that, that, that happened awfully quickly. And these guys are used to it. That's my first, my first go around. And then they disappear and I turn around And there is Megan, my wife, and my children, and all my friends. There Mm. was, I failed to mention, there's all the people down at the beach that day that we do life with. Mm. And they're all standing there going, Oh my gosh, this is what you put your life on hold for. Or this, this is what you are, this, this is why you jumped in the other direction. This is why you ran from what was, this is what you're running towards. And I, and that, that is the point of the story is the father's grace and love. I could not have orchestrated that Morgan in my wildest dreams. I couldn't even have put that story together in my own head. And that was the artful beauty of the master architect putting something together for someone that he loves unconditionally. And that's what we needed. That's what Megan and I needed. That's what our, maybe our friends need. I don't know, but that's what Megan and I needed. We needed something that was like, no, you're in the right place. Just keep going. And so we, you know i come i come back to you know regroup with them and they're just like oh my gosh i cannot believe what we just witnessed and Megan's just like we're in we're all in we are i don't know where it's going but this is who we are now this is what we do and we're all in
1: as you began extracting yourself out of a matrix and a story of the person you've become and as you did that you named that there were these values that were shaping who you were becoming in that space, even below your consciousness. This value of performance, that I am worth what I do and what I accomplish. And in its place, there is this new message coming to you that I am enough. And this other value you've named of something like, I'm all alone. Like this is up to me. And now through this new pursuit in this season of of true excavation in the lowest seat at the table, I'm observing that you're coming into a place of intimacy with the father, a father that's with you and for you and is carrying the lion's share of the load, that it's not up to you. And this other value that you've echoed in the story of your earlier years of masculine initiation is that the world is a place of scarcity, that actually there's not enough. But I watch you make this transition, almost a migration into this this worldview of abundance. Now, you're putting it on the line financially and retirement and reputation. And resume, but here you are stepping into a place that you're experiencing abundance. And I think the other theme that we've talked about that I'm observing in your story is there's a temptation in the world system as a man to sacrifice the truest parts of yourself in the name of of some sort of thing that we even call like conventional wisdom or even masquerades as maturity. But the truth is, this, this truth that you are recovering is that if we double down on what's most true about who God made us to be, if we step into our God given wiring, our God given DNA, if we live in a Godward direction, we not only become well, we're able to offer a life to others that's contagious and has the scent, the aroma of eternity.
0: We don't know where all of this is going. We get looks from people all the time. So like, "What are you doing now?" And it's just like, "Yeah, this is what we're doing now." <laughs> and you don't have to understand it, but we are what we are, what is being restored in us and me. You don't have to get it. But we get it, and mm. this is exactly where we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be doing. We'll see where it all goes. And that does not mean today it is easy. It is messy. There are negative voices, second guessing, all of that. But the return, what I found is that the return on investment when operating from a whole heart is exponential and that I know for a fact.
1: Jared, what I observe is you're responding to a path as a man who is being led. Just appreciate your honesty with banking your hope on a very few things. As you said in an earlier conversation with me, you know, that it's only a few things that you know to be true. You know you love your wife. You know you love your children. You know you love your family. You know that community and friendship is essential and non-negotiable. You know that there is a creator, a father that is with us and for us. And you know that the ocean speaks to parts of you that don't use words. One of the unique aspects of your life is that it's been rooted in place. It's been rooted in a particular small geography for, for going on a fifth decade, like, and you know, Jared, statistically, I heard that the average American moves every three years. And that was pre-pandemic. There's a way in which the soul is designed to thrive through connection with place. Wendell Berry, Berry in his writing is some of the most evocative writing on place, and there's actually a poem he has on this that I'd like to read just for context to hear about how place has played such a role in your life. He says, because we have not made our lives to fit our places, the forests are ruined, the fields are eroded, the streams are polluted and the mountains overturned. Hope then to belong to your place by your own knowledge of what it is that no other place is, and by your caring for it as you care for no other place, this place that you belong to, though it is not yours, for it was from the beginning and will be to the end." Hmm. I mean, what moves me, Jared, is that same beach that you played as a boy, that now you are fighting for the hearts of boys to play you know, on that beach, in that water, rescuing lives of people as a lifeguard in that place. How would you say rooting yourself in a place rather than just giving over to the seduction of the grass is greener there. Right. Move my family. Like, obviously, um, it's contextual, and we all can't control that. But there is something really formative about you being rooted to place that I think it's important to put some words to for listeners.
0: I have never felt called to live anywhere else. Like I, I've never. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, I I did a little stint down in San Diego, and San Diego's great. But home's home, and I, and at the end of the day, it's Los Angeles, which I don't feel like I'm cut of like the Angelino cloth. Like I do not <laughs> fit that mold. But and I and and honestly, like Megs and I wrestled with that for a while it was just like are we supposed to be here we don't necessarily feel like we're being called anywhere else but like this is ridiculous sometimes like it's so dense that people are moving so fast here and it's just not that, that that that's not our it's not our cadence but I was on a run one time and I stopped and I overlooked big, beautiful blue thing. That's just right out our front door, you know, like just down the road or whatever. And it was just like, there's the space that you're looking for. Like there is so much more to be discovered and adventured and played with out there. Like stop Mm -hmm. looking like to your right, to your left and behind you. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a dense mess. And yet, that big blue thing is one of the most wildest frontiers that is on this planet. And it covers a majority of our planet. And most, and people still don't know really kind of like all there is to know about the ocean. It's all, it was just like one of those aha moments. It was like, Oh yeah. And like we've carved out a nice little corner of this very densely populated place that we just love. We've got trails, we have trees, we have dirt, we have a beach, we have rocky coastline, and we have a big blue thing amidst the madness. And that's just going back to what I said. And I like, and that's, 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 that, that works just fine for me. And with that, like I do feel like a heavy responsibility. There's a lot of people that have moved here and love it here, like I was saying earlier, but they're not really too sure why. They just kind of know they like that nice weather, and they like wearing flip-flops around town. Um, But I'm here to say, it's like, no, no, no. Like These are the reasons that you like it here. And let me help you. Let me pull back the veil a little bit and help you begin to discover what is so abundantly available for free all around you all the time. And we're going to make sure you go home safe too. For right now, Morgan, I'm not going anywhere. I love it here. I love life in the South Bay. I love life on the coast. I love life in the water. It's how I'm raising my family. And that's what I'm trying to share with the people that are all around me all the time.
1: Lifeguarding is specific for you, but it's also a metaphor. And in some ways, it's really part of it's not what you do, it's who you are. And therefore, you find yourself doing it. And it seems like, you know obviously the, the, the text of your story is the water has, has really been, um, defining in helping you recover who you are. And so Mm -hmm. I know there's other ventures you have in the season outside of lifeguarding. Um, can you take us into some of that and, and help us know, because I know, uh, the men around would love to hear about even things they might be able to be a part of.
0: Yeah. I think kids these days are completely shortchanged and it infuriates me with the pace of the world, um, with the expectations of the world nowadays. Um, and then you throw in a global pandemic and, and life behind a screen. And that's how kids are supposed to learn these days. And that's how they're supposed to find friendship and community. I just, it makes my blood boil. And so I went after that in mid COVID, um, they shut the, they shut everything down as you, as we all know. And I was like, no, we're not doing this. And so I got a group of, um, kids together. Uh, and I said, I'm going down to this beach at this time. And I'm, I'm making a surf team (laughs) 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 and, and these kids in, in, I, the hook was surf team. That's like, kind of like a little buzzword. Like, Oh, I want to be a part of a surf team. But my intentions were, it's like, no, we're just going to get outside and we're going to get together because that is what, that's how this is all supposed to go. And we're going to go enjoy that big blue thing that is right in front of our house. And we're going to take it to the next level. It's not just surfing. We're going to, we're going to go, I'm going to teach you how to dive. We're going to go fishing. We're going to spear fish. We're going to find lobsters. We're going to, we're gonna go paddling. We're gonna go see what's out on that horizon. And so we started doing that in the middle of COVID and dude, like the thing, I did it for a year straight just because it's awesome. <laughs> and, <laughs> and by the, by the end of the year, I had I had like 30 kids, something like that. Most of whom I didn't even know. And so I was like, you know what? Like there's something here, like there's something so much greater going on here. Let like it'd be so awesome to elaborate on this. Um and so in short, what I ended up doing is I I also for context and I'm I'm an art kid. I I studied fine arts in college. Like that's just how my brain works. And it's something that I'm coming back to now because that also has been put on a shelf for a very long mm. time. So I, I have a buddy who runs an art gallery in Hermosa Beach. And I approached him and I said, let's let's create an experience for kids where they can come and they can do all of these things on the ocean with me. They can paddle. We can dive. We can do all the stuff, surfing, body surfing, and play. Let's just play. Mm. And... And then uh, the second half of the day, they'll come in here in the art gallery and they'll make things that they can be proud of. Right. They can get their hands dirty. They can throw paint up on the wall and put it in a frame and bring it home to mom and dad, or they can, they can, because the arts is a tremendously underserved like sort of like uh topic in, in the public schools. Um, and so I was like, well, that's not very cool. That's not very fair. <laughs> um, so I married art, making things um, in a in a cool environment. The art mm-hmm. gallery is just so killer. And then marry that with, and now let's go find some lobsters in the rocks, <laughs> and or let's go let's go paddle around the pier, or let's go let's go surfing or whatever. And when I have found like, when you combine um, life outside and making things, the, a lot of the baggage that these kids have to carry inherently begins to shed mm. and, and mm. gets dropped and it's just, everything becomes more lighter and anxieties come down depressions fizzle like those are very real like very very real emotions that these kids are dealing with these days and that is insane to me you're going through some some shit go get a paddleboard and paddle four miles straight out into the ocean four miles back I can Mm -hmm. guarantee you whatever was really bumming you out or had you very anxious will evaporate by the time you come back into shore and then couple that with just like you know making things creative, using a different part of your brain. That is kind of not the, it's not the regularly used part of the brain anymore. You know,
1: those kids
0: No, So, um, and the, the thing, the, the testimonials that parent or the things parents say testimonies, they write letters, they write all that stuff is like, all again, it's like validation, validation, validation. Like you're in the right place. Here's a case where it just blew me away. I got a call from a parent uh, of a kid that I had seen now for years, um, bringing him out on the water, showing him how it all works, tides, all that. She had just finished a meal of freshly caught uh, corbina, speared by her 10 year old son <laughs> who was on the beach, saw the Corbina from the beach, put his, had that wherewithal to bring his gear down to the beach that day, put his gear on, enter the water in the right place, catch the right current, come up behind the Corbina. And he speared this thing with a, a three prong spear And brought it back to the beach. And Morgan, this thing was massive. And they they took it home, cleaned it. And he fed his parents. His mom's Indian. And she's an incredible cook. But he put the fish on the table that night. And the the meal, the dinner, was caught by a 10-year-old kid who's having fun on the beach, saw a fish, saw an opportunity, and... And 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 just went for it and like I just picture that dude I just I cannot fathom sitting around a table with this big fat fish fresh fish flayed fish in the middle that my ten year old son went into the ocean and brought back out it's so good so that's so that's salt and sea and then we're working on um, bringing on up a whole version of that for, for <laughs> adults. There's all the parents were like, uh, <laughs> can I come, you know, can, right, can right. I,
1: right. The, the, the kids inside the parents are yeah, going, I, I like, need to get my heart
0: back. There's right? just so many people is like, okay, I, I, I would, I want to do this too. And so we're, we're coming up with a, a adult experience. that's the same where it's like, um, It's life outside. It's on the water. It's, uh, overnights it's, you know, catching food from the sea, putting it over a, a fire that you made, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
1: You know, Jared, people can be listening to this and, and the problem with a conversation that's the cliff notes is it's easy to minimize all the thousand small steps yeah. It got you there, right? But in your story, there are these poignant moments where you just took a risk, where yes. you were in pain and you had to do something about it. And I just know poignantly, one of the stories we share is your father-in-law, Craig McConnell, one of my dearest friends and a father to me, a mentor. And as many of the listeners know, you know, we lost him to cancer. And in that grieving process, you, you dove into the world of uh, adventure races with ocean paddling. Yeah. And I just wanna invite the listeners to appreciate that there's always an on-ramp, that at every moment of every day, the Father is, is waiting patiently for us to turn to Him to respond, to say, what if there is a small choice, a two-degree shift to choose to take a risk, to engage and to say, I, I want more, I want more than the life that I have found myself to be living. And so can you tell us about paddling?
0: So long distance prone paddling, the life force has basically, it started there and it has unfolded from there. Life out on the horizon is just something that's so good for, I I think anybody's heart and soul. I was, I I celebrated my 30th year paddling around Alcatraz. And that was that, that in, again, in the rear view, what was happening there was I was being given a gift that would bring my heart alive, help me deal with some really hard things and losing my father-in-law and setting up a theme for the next decade of my life.
1: As you can hear and well imagine, Jared is a wild-hearted storyteller, content curator, experience curator, the pioneer of Salton Sea camps, pioneer of sashimi adventures, and more things to come. And so, to find Jared, his world, and the things that he's experimenting with and playing with and offering to others, you can go to Jared B. Sayers. J-A-R-E-D, letter B, sars S-A-Y-E-R-S, dot com. Jared, you're, you're naming through story the recovery of an ancient path. that It's nothing new,
0: nothing. but
1: it's newly recovered, right? In every generation, we lose it and we get it back. We lose it, we get it back. and And so for all of our listeners out there, what I want to invite them to consider is first – Holy Spirit, how do you recover this right where you are, right as you are? What's the on-ramp? What's the on-ramp for you? In a two-degree shift to say, I want more. And then the second question is, what's the risk associated with it? that the father's inviting you through Jared's story to engage it? What is the risk that the father's naming? And he's saying, son, you're ready. This is on time. And I want you to take this risk. And friends, I want you to linger with these questions in our 90-second pause as we wrap. Jared, it's such a joy to be with you, and I can't wait to do it again. Thanks for offering your story to me and to many like-hearted men around the globe.
0: Thanks, Morgan.